Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. God is going to do something in our lives today that's going to be life-changing. If you could use a little life-changing word today, shout amen. Amen. And whether you're here watching by stream, uh, it doesn't matter. The Spirit knows no bounds. There's no limit to where God will touch somebody. So no matter who you are or where you are, we love you. We're praying for you. We're believing God's best for you. And uh, we just are excited to uh, know the Spirit of God is here. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Amen. So over the past 40 days, we've been sounding the alarm, blowing the shofar. We've been uh, coming through the month of Elul, the 10 days of awe. Uh, uh, We've celebrated the high holy days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And now, beginning tomorrow night... On God's divine calendar, we come to the uh, seventh and final feast of the Lord, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. And today we're going to find out, many of us are going to find out what we've been missing by not understanding that God had a divine calendar and that the biblical holidays are for you and I in the church as well as our Jewish brothers and sisters. Amen. So Feast of Tabernacles uh, uh, for centuries, millenniums, is considered the great the greatest of all the seven feasts of the Lord. And partly because the number seven uh, is considered to be God's perfect number. It means that God is going to complete and fulfill something in our lives during the Feast of Tabernacles and appointed time of God. Who's ready for God to do a complete work? Who's ready for God to do something fulfilling in your life And you can have that as you have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying connected with tabernacles. Amen. You know, each of the feasts of the Lord are unique times. They're special times. And it's no coincidence that the devil came in and tried to muddy the waters so we as Christians wouldn't understand just what these things would mean to our lives in a modern time. But God is saying that I have made or I have ordained Sukkot to be a time of great joy for you. Great joy. How many of you know the joy of the Lord is your strength? And this time, Sukkot, for uh, so, so uh, many years, has been known as the festival of joy. And it's known as that for many reasons. But one thing is, look, for the 
past 40 days, we've been teshuvahing. We've been returning to God. We've been looking at our priorities and making sure that nothing is going to stand between me and my relationship with the Lord. How many of you say amen to that today? A few weeks ago, we had the apples and honey, right? And it's celebrating the head of the year, Rosh Hashanah, the new year, where God is saying, I am going to give you a new beginning. Someone ought to name their church New Beginnings. (laughs) Amen. You're in the right place. We've fasted, we've prayed, we've been rebaptized last week at the Yom Kippur service so that every sin is forgiven, every curse is broken, and every covenant promise is released. Who receives that today? So we're not just playing church. What we have going on here is not just religion. Come on, come on. We have a relationship with the Lord, a relationship with the Word. We're willing to dig deeper into the revelations and secrets and mysteries of the gospel because we want a more powerful life, a richer life, a more fulfilled life, a more complete life. And that comes as we study the Word. When your Word level is high, your faith level is high. If your Word level is low, your faith level is low. How many of you want a high faith level? Then you need a high word level. Get hungry and thirsty for the word. Someone say amen. Amen. So tomorrow night, we arrive at the crowning event on God's calendar, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is a time when God is ready to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything you could ask or pray. Who's ever prayed that scripture before? God, do something in my life that is exceedingly, abundantly, above anything that I've ever done so far. Amen. Come on, stay with me now. Don't go into a trance on me. Let the people at home know we're a Baptocostal, Judeo-Christian kind of church, and we don't mind getting excited for Jesus. Amen. God is about to take you from any potential breakdown into a miracle breakthrough. The devil's trying to make you break down and submit, but God is saying, uh-uh-uh-uh, not for those that have a hunger and a thirst, not for those that are on fire for God. We are going from any potential breakdown into miracle breakthrough. If you want a miracle breakthrough in your life, get excited and give the Lord a praise. When you study Feast of Tabernacles, there's many revelations, many themes uh, that you could teach on. But what really uh, was impressed on my heart this week as I prepared uh, these notes uh, is how it connects to a revelation that God gave Pastor Huck uh, some 35, almost 40 years ago, the revelation on breaking generational curses. And that theme comes up this week. 
Starting tomorrow night for seven days, uh, there's going to be a dispensation, an outpouring of the power and blessing of God. And a big part of that, as we'll see as we go through this today, has to do with breaking the curse. Amen? And in biblical times, during the original Feast of Tabernacles, the celebration that God established included the sacrificing of 98 lambs. And they were going to be offered in the temple or tabernacle throughout the week. Now the question is, why 98 lambs? I'm glad you asked that. Because God was showing us that he wanted every one of the 98 curses in Deuteronomy 28 to be broken so nothing could block the blessing that God has planned for his people during the Feast of Tabernacles. Come on. Is there something blocking the blessing of God in your life? Is everything in your life complete and fulfilled? Or is there room for God to do more? During the Feast of Tabernacles, an appointed time. It's on God's calendar. We need to understand what God is saying through the Feast of Tabernacles. And one of the key themes is, I'm sacrificing 98 lambs because there's 98 curses in Deuteronomy 28 that I want removed from your life so there is a flow and a floodgate of blessing coming into you and your family. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. Come on. Hallelujah. We serve a mighty God, don't we? He's a gracious Father. He's a good God. And His plans for us are good. So let's get into this a little bit more. One of the main promises God gives us uh, during Feast of Tabernacles and connected with the first fruit offering that we'll receive next week when Pastor Larry returns comes from Proverbs 3. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. This is one of the main promises that God wants to release in your life this week. And it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions, and with the what? The first fruits of all your increase. Verse 10, so your barns will be filled with plenty. Oh, come on, I like that. And your vats will overflow with new wine. Your barns will be filled with plenty. That's God saying, I want to bless you physically and financially in your life. Your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. That's speaking of the spiritual blessing. 
God's just not interested in one or the other. He said, I'm going to lay it on you. I am going to pour something out in your life that's going to affect you physically, financially, and spiritually. More anointing, more wisdom, more power, more favor, more ability in your life to defeat every enemy, to break every curse, to walk in the abundant life that's been promised. And it happens when we honor the Lord with our first fruits. Amen, amen. How many of you here today or you're watching at home, uh, how many of you want this to manifest in your life? Do you want to just read about it? Or do you want to live it and experience it? Well, then we got to take something to the next level. And if you're going to the next level, you got to kill the next devil. And so you got to put up your spiritual dukes and say, you know what? I'm going to fight, 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 fight the good fight of faith. Come on. So there's a blessing coming. I hear the sound of blessing. I hear the sound of abundance. I hear the sound of an outpouring of rain, a financial rain, a spiritual rain, a rain of power over God's people. I hear the sound. Who hears the sound with me today? Amen. God's promises are always yes and amen. But there is a catch. Oh, doggone it, I knew he was going to say that. There's always a catch, isn't there? Yeah, you got to love God, serve God, and press in a little bit. How hard is that? Well, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants to put a, 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 a kibosh on everything God wants to do. So we need to understand the wiles of the devil. And the wiles of the devil is when God has a miracle harvest for you, he's going to try to come in and sow tares. Plant weeds in your harvest that will choke out the harvest. I'm going to explain that for you. But uh, hopefully you'll walk away today and realize, "Uh uh-uh, devil, you're not going to disrupt God's plans for my life. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to walk in the blessing. As for me and my house, we're going to press in and see the miracle promise of God in our lives. Okay, so Mark 4 is a great chapter in the Bible. It's probably one of the most important chapters and parables in the Bible that you could ever learn. Jesus said when it comes to this, that everything operates under this principle of seed, time, and harvest. And in Mark 4, for the sake of time, we don't have time to read the whole chapter, but in Mark 4.14... It says, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The sower sows the word. So the word is seed. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. 
The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. Don't be that guy. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. The lure of wealth and the desire for other things so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil, oh, has anybody got some good soil in your heart today? The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 fold. Come on, come on. Now we could teach a whole series on this. Sowing and reaping. Ironclad law of God. And especially when it comes to first fruits. Uh, Three times a year we come before the Lord and we don't come empty handed and we sow a first fruits offering to uh, release a miracle harvest. And uh, so God is saying, I want to have you enjoy and experience something great in your life that leads to 30, 60, and 100 times, 100 fold. That's talking about unlimited and optimal blessing in your life as you follow the principles of Almighty God. We serve a good God. Hallelujah. But the second thing uh, is that three-quarters of this parable is describing how Satan comes to block the blessing. Those who hear this message but never act on it will have the revelation stolen. By the time someone gets to their car, Satan has come immediately to steal the revelation. My gosh. Don't let that be you. Those who don't develop, mature, and grow spiritually are going to fall away at the sign of the first challenge. The devil resists you and you throw in the towel and quit. That's not how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to push back. You're supposed to resist the devil. When's God going to do something? When are you going to do something? Push back, fight, fight, fight. Push back. And then Jesus points out something vital in verse 19. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out. The New King James Version says the word is choked. The word is choked by the weeds. Somebody needs to teach us how to kill the weeds that come to choke out the word that leads to our harvest. Oh, somebody did teach us. 
Pastor Larry. <laughs> Thank God for Pastor Larry. Ever heard of the book Free at Last? Ever heard of 10 curses that block the blessing? One of the reasons God has you at New Beginnings is to absorb that stuff so that it's active revelation in your life. Oh, come on, somebody. First fruits is one way we kill the weeds. First fruits is one way that we stop the word from being choked out, the harvest from being choked out. This is why God had Israel offer 98 lambs. At Yom Kippur, the curses were broken, but God's saying that's not enough. I need to remind you again. And so where's the 98 lambs? Bring them on in, boys, for every day, for a week. We're going to sacrifice till we get 98 lambs and reverse the curse so my people can walk in miracle abundance. It's a shadow. What God ordained back then worked. Oh, all those that were just doing foolish. No, God said to do it, and they did it, and it worked. And that's a shadow of what we should be doing. Well, I just come to church and I learn now I lay me prayers. And, you know, know, what more do you want? Everything. I want everything. And in exchange for that covenant commitment of I'm surrendering my life to you, Lord, then God says, get ready because I'm going to open the floodgates on your life. Praise God. So what are we learning? Break the curse so the blessing can be released. Another key first fruit scripture is Malachi 3. Go with me to Malachi 3 verse 10. In Malachi 3.10, it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. Prove me now in this says the Lord of armies. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Oh, that sounds so good. In verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. My gosh. Talking about killing the weeds. God says, I want to rebuke the devourer. But there's a prerequisite. All you college students took prerequisite courses. You had to do something first to get to the meat. And here it's the first fruit. Bring me the offerings of old, your tithes, your offerings, and try me, prove me, if I will not open the floodgates. That's what the complete Jewish Bible says. See if I won't open for you the floodgates of heaven and pour out for you a blessing far beyond your needs. Oh, thank you, Lord. This is your destiny being prophesied. 
far beyond your needs. Can someone see that with the eye of faith today? That God is getting ready to bless you far beyond your needs. But what gets overlooked here is that in many Bibles, the words in verse 10 are italicized. It means that the translators added some words so that you could better understand the meaning. Unfortunately, they missed it. And for years and generations, Christians have missed out on part of the blessing in Malachi 3. You're in a church here led by pastors Larry and Tiz. They, they want you to win. They want you to prosper. They want you to be more than a conqueror. They want you manifesting all the promises of God. But as we've learned, uh, of course, if you come to Torah study, you hear this all the time. I may have done this the last uh, uh, time I was uh, up here. But when I was in Bible college back in the 80s, uh, Reinhard Bonnke, the late great evangelist, uh, came to our Bible college and taught uh, for a couple days. And one of the things that I always remember, you, you know where I'm going with this, one of the things I always remember is he was in our class and he was saying, the gospel is like soap. It only works when it's applied. <laughs> Reinhard Bonnke, God bless him. The translators missed it. They italicized some things. And the verse in Malachi should actually read, I will open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, but that's not enough. But that's not enough. I want to open the floodgates of heaven, but that's not enough. What is God saying? What's this? What is not enough? It's not enough for God to promise you great blessing and bring you great blessing if the devourer isn't rebuked. If you don't know how to kill the weeds. If you don't know how to partner with God to rebuke the devourer, he can come in. And take every blessing that God is giving you away from you. It's not enough for God to open the windows of heaven. God wants to open the windows of heaven. He wants to pour you out a blessing far beyond your uh, natural means. But... I need to do something with God, partner with God to protect the blessing, to safeguard the blessing. Well, that's just too much work for me. Forget it. I'm out of here. I want religion. I don't want revelation. You you expect me to do something? I didn't sign up to do nothing for God. 
I didn't sign up to partner uh, with God to do anything. Don't want that on your resume up in heaven. Don't want that on your... He kept saying, nothing I got to do, nothing I got to do, nothing I got to do. And guess what you did? Nothing. God is saying that I'll rebuke the devourer who is planting seeds in your miracle harvest field. These are the weeds that will choke out your blessing. They're going to choke the harvest. Why do these things keep happening? Because you don't understand this yet. Oh, come on. God wants to break every curse. The 98 lambs were, were slain and sacrificed. The blood was shed so that every curse could be broken. Well, does that just happen by osmosis? I come, I sit, I do my thing on Sunday morning for an hour. What more do you expect? If you can't say amen, just say, oh me. Praise God. The devil's going down. You might be in a challenge right now, but you have in the power of your words and the power of your seed to determine your harvest. And part of it is being positive, your confession of faith, putting a God. But part of it is rebuking the devil. Father God, I come into agreement with you in the word that the devil is rebuked in my life, over my seed, over my family, over my finances, over my health. And if you have a chalkboard at home, write that 500 times. Come on, somebody. The prophet Joel wrote an entire chapter uh, about the blessing of first fruits, the blessing of Sukkot, the revelation and the promise that God activates at this time of year, beginning tomorrow night. For some, it's already happening. Amen. Amen. Go with me to Joel 2, 23. The whole chapter is about first fruits. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. And then down at verse 23, the prophet says, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. That's a promise for right now. The Tree of Life version says, He gives you the early rain for prosperity. Oh, thank you, Lord, for prosperity. Amen. Yes, he will bring down rain for you, the early and the latter rain. Guess what activates the rain? Take a wild guess. What activates the rain according to Joel 2? Your first fruit offering. 
Feast of Tabernacles, we start celebrating it tomorrow night, but then on the seventh day when pastor's back next Sunday, all of a sudden we're going to have everybody come sow their first fruit offering in faith with revelation. I'm not just putting something in a bucket. I'm sowing this seed with confidence, with faith, and believing God will do what he said he did and is going to do. Rain is a symbol of prosperity. Rain is a symbol of abundance. Rain is what causes your seed to grow. I will send you rain. And the prophet says it's a double rain. Right? It's the early rain and the latter rain. It's combined together so you receive a double blessing. And then in verse 24, all of a sudden as we come before the Lord and we don't come empty-handed, we come with revelation, we come in faith, we come with praise and thanksgiving, we come before the Lord joyfully because we're trusting in the Lord with all of our heart and we're not leaning to our own understanding. In all of our ways, we're acknowledging the Lord and then He will bring the blessing. He will command His blessing. And in verse 24, it says, uh, as you do this, the threshing floors shall be full of wheat and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. Where have I seen that before? King Solomon, the wisest man that ever wrote about that in Proverbs 3. And it comes up again with the prophet Joel. God is so good. He doesn't want anyone to miss it. He doesn't want anyone to be it. So he keeps repeating it. But once again, the Lord says, that's not enough. It's not enough for your threshing floors, for your barns to be filled with grain and wheat and for your life to be filled with spiritual power and anointing because there is a devil who goes about as a roaring lion who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. I've got to be able to do something with that issue, with that problem. I can't ignore that. I've got to go on the offense, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word word of the living God and begin to wield that sword with power and faith. Look at verse 25. God says it's not enough to send you the blessing unless I first help you kill the weeds, break the curses, rebuke the devourer that comes to choke out your harvest. And verse 25 says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. 
the blessing, but there's also a problem with the locusts. A locust is a special kind of grasshopper that devours everything in its path. And when the conditions are right, these locusts come in like a giant swarm. And thousands, even millions, will descend on a farm, a field, like a thick black cloud. And immediately devour the grass, the grain, anything that's green, they will consume it all. This is what Satan has planned. He wants to consume your blessing so you get tired of serving God because there's no joy if you're not blessed. But Satan is a liar. And the good news is we serve a mighty God. El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh. And when we sow our first fruit offering in faith, And we pray the prayer of faith before the Lord to protect and safeguard our blessing. Then you're countering Satan's evil work. Many of you have grown up in a church and you've never been taught you've got to do some spiritual warfare on your own. You've got to counter what Satan is trying to do. Oh, you didn't hear me. You, you didn't hear. You've got to counter. You've got to resist what Satan is trying. Somebody resist right now. Say this with me. Thank you, Lord, that no weapon or no swarm of locusts formed against me will prosper. I am blessed. I will walk in the blessing. I will enjoy the blessing. And I'll give God all the praise and glory. Give God praise and glory right now. Praise God. Isn't God good? Now I want you to notice that this promise is not just for the future. Okay? It also covers the past. Think about this for a moment. It covers the past. I will restore to you whatever has been eaten away over the years. God is setting you up for something great here, folks. Please open your eyes, open your ears, and be excited about this. This isn't a trick. (laughs) This is the word of the living God. And you enter into it with a covenant faith. Restore means to reinstate. Oh, God, thank you for reinstating any blessing that was uh, due to me that the devil came in and stole. Restore means to return. Oh, Father God, I thank you in the name of above every name that you're returning to me everything the devil has stolen, anything that may have been lost, even through my own neglect or ignorance, I blew it. I'm sorry, Lord, that I blew it. Return to me the blessing. Oh, you didn't hear me. You don't care about it, huh? If you care about the blessing being returned to you, somebody give the, the Lord a big hand clap. 
Be excited about this. Enter into this. This is where the great joy. Why do they call it the festival? Because this is what's supposed to happen at this appointed time. Oh, thank you, Lord. Come on, somebody. It shouldn't be weird or unusual for God's people to be excited. At 325 today, you're going to see one excited dude when the football game comes on, and I'm going to be cheering my heart out for the Cowboys. But I don't want my cheer for the Cowboys to exceed my cheer for God. I want to be more excited for the things of God. Hallelujah. Look, I lived almost 20 years for the devil. A grown man living for the devil. And the devil made me pay. And I was excited to pay. Because I was blinded and deceived. And suddenly, when Jesus Christ came in, forgave me of every sin, broke every curse, and connected me to the covenant promises, I like this deal. Thank you, Jesus. Do you like this deal? Well, give God a hand clap. I like this deal. I'm not ashamed of this deal. Hey. That's why I praise the Lord. I didn't get a religion. I didn't need a 60-minute sermonette. I needed revelation power to break curses over my life. When you live 20 years drunk at the bottom of a whiskey bottle, snorting cocaine and crystal meth and living for the devil and wake up in the next day and do it all over again for 20 years, you're in bondage, you're in sin, you're caught in a snare and you can't get out until Jesus comes in and who the sun sets free is free indeed. That's why I praise the Lord. That's why I get excited. Come on, come on. So as we close today, I want to show you one last promise where God kills the weeds, where he rebukes the devourer, where he stops the swarm because of the first fruit promise. It's a prophecy from Zechariah. And it's, it hasn't happened yet. It's a prophecy that hasn't happened. It's something that's going to happen in the future. When the Messiah comes and he totally defeats every enemy in what's known as the great battle of Armageddon. And when this happens, he's going to set up his kingdom here on earth. The government will be upon his shoulders. And you and I as believers, disciples of Jesus Christ, will rule and reign with him for a thousand years and then on into eternity. That day is coming. But we need to build up to that day. 
It's like you just don't say some kind of abracadabra and you haven't been doing it and then all of a sudden you are. Get with the program, folks. It's a lot better than living for the devil or not knowing what to do when the devil comes around seeking whom he may devour. Somebody train me. Somebody equip me. Somebody preach to me something that will cause me to win and overcome. Oh, come on. I'm glad I'm in New Beginnings. I'm glad my pastor can teach me these principles. I love my pastor. I love my church. I love my family here and watching by stream. And together we are going to conquer. We are called to conquer. We are called to win. We are called to overcome. Thank God we're in a a place, a church that will teach us how to do that. All right. Zechariah 14, a prophecy that hasn't happened. It will happen, and we might as well just get going early on it. Verse 16, it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Israel, why should we care about Israel? How about reading the Scripture? anyone who is left means some are not left nations are not left for messing around with Israel why do we stand with Israel because if you don't stand you won't be left if you don't come into agreement with God's plan for Israel you're going to get left behind It doesn't mean you're going to miss the rapture, but you're going to be left behind on a lot of good things God has stored up for you that you won't have because you've been obstinate about it. Obstinate? I won't go into what that means. To go up from you to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. When we go into the Sabbath millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ, every year the Feast of Tabernacles is going to be celebrated. It says it plain and simple right here. Why do we have to know all of that stuff? Because you're going to know about it eventually. You might as well not stand before Jesus. and I didn't want to learn none of that. Well, you're going to learn it now. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king at the Feast of Tabernacles, on them there will be no rain. There will be no rain. No rain is symbolic of no blessing. And we're in the midst of this right now. The fullness of this will be seen in the millennium and this scripture when it comes to pass, when Jesus sets up his earthly kingdom and we're ruling and that that will be, but even now we're building towards that day. No rain is a curse. So keeping Feast of Tabernacles is no small thing. 
whether it's in the future or whether it's in the presence right now down on the ground while we're still around. And those who neglect or resist God's will and God's plan, no rain. How do I get myself out from under taking one step forward and 99 steps back? You ever feel like that? Are you in that spot here or at home where you keep on trying to do things, but you take one step forward and then all of a sudden it's like three steps, ten steps, 99 steps back, and you're always uh, going back to go, always starting over. There's no get out of jail free card. There's no go to community chest and get a blessing. There's nothing there for you because the devil has come and he's stealing your blessing. And part of it is we don't understand Feast of Tabernacles. The time that God has ordained for you and I to kill the weeds, to break the curse, to rebuke the devourer, to ward off all the swarm of locusts that the devil's trying to send to choke out and chew up your harvest. Oh. The good news is it's a curse that can be reversed. It's a curse that can be reversed. It's a curse that can be reversed. And you reverse the curse during Feast of Tabernacles with a Feast of Tabernacles offering. It's called a first fruit offering. But you just don't drop an envelope in the bucket. And, well, there you go. You sow that thing as seed in the ground and you speak over that thing with faith, with a positive confession. Lord, this is my first fruit offering. I'm sowing it in faith. I'm thankful and grateful you're partnering with me right now to kill every weed, to break every curse, to ward off the swarm of locusts, to rebuke the devourer so nothing can stop me from walking into an unlimited blessing. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. It's an appointed time. The early and the latter rain are coming. A double blessing is coming. The devourer being defeated is happening. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear. In Hebrew, first fruits is called bikurim. Say that, bikurim. See, you know Hebrew now. Bikurim. And it means a promise of things to come. First fruits, bikurim, is a promise of things to come. What has God promised? We just went through a ton of it. What has God promised? During Sukkot, in biblical times, God's people would recite Psalm 118. You might want to do that this week. Psalm 118, in verse 24 especially, we used to sing this as a assembly of God type of song. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will, I will, and be 
and be Okay, give yourselves a hand clap. Not bad. We're having choir auditions right uh, after church. That song, this scripture, Psalm 118, 24, this is the day I will rejoice, is a first fruits, a Sukkot first uh, fruit scripture. And in verse 25, it says, Save now, salvation come. I pray, O Lord, O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Spiritual prosperity, financial prosperity, healing prosperity, favor prosperity, overcoming prosperity in every area of you. God's wanting to send it to you. Cry out to Him and say, send it to me, Lord, send it to me. And it's going to manifest. Prosperity and success are going to manifest in your life. If, there's that little word that means if you follow his principles. We just went through the principles of first fruits. If you follow those things. If you don't get weary in well-doing. In due season, you will... What's the due season? What is it? Paul talking about the due season isn't just some random time. It's first fruits. The due season is first fruits. You'll reap that harvest if you don't cast away your confidence. Stop letting people bum you out where you feel like you're backsliding. Stop that. You're not a backslider. You don't need to backslide. Just rebuke backsliding and cry out to God and say, Father God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with spiritual vision. Fill me with the power of the living God to fend off all of these things that are trying to block my blessing. That's pressing in to what God has for you. So next week when Pastor Larry is here, you need to come excited. Right? You didn't come to play church. You came for revelation. You came for power. You came for breakthrough. God wants to take you from potential breakdown into potential breakthrough. So come acting like that when the man of God gets back in the pulpit. And then when we bring our first fruits, act on all that he's teaching you, all that I've taught today, whatever you can glean for yourself in your own personal time of study, come filled. Don't come needing to be filled. Don't come needing to be filled. Come filled. Already. Pumped up. Jazzed up. Faithed up. And then when you sow that first fruits, bam. Now, some of you may not, be, for whatever reason, be able to be here with us next. So, so it today. Let God speak to you right now. You at home, let God speak to you. What should, those that sow little, those that sow a lot, 2 Corinthians 9, don't take an eraser to that one. And pastor's going to speak the Sukkot blessing over you. 
So you really want to be here. You don't want to miss this. It's an ordained time, a special time, the seventh day of the feast. It's going to be powerful. And I hope today was powerful. I hope something in you got stirred up, that you fanned the flame of God. Now stand with me all across the building and let me seal this over your life in prayer. Do you pray in tongues? Do you fill with the Spirit? Do you pray in the Spirit? Do that right now. Stir yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we love you and bless you. You're such a gracious Father. Your plans for us, your promises for us are always yes and amen, especially at first fruits, where that optimum 30, 60, 100 fold blessing is going to be poured out. A floodgate of spiritual and financial blessing is going to be poured out on God's people. And we claim that for our own lives, in our own finances, in our own investments, in our own business, in our own family. Father, we claim the floodgates of heaven be opened in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Father, we thank you today that you are killing every weed that comes to choke out our harvest. You are breaking every curse. Indeed, you are reversing every curse over our lives in Jesus' name. Any swarm of locusts is rebuked. The devourer is rebuked. Devil, you will not steal my blessing. I will serve the Lord. I will have my blessing. I pray and bless you for it, Lord that you have heard my cry send salvation now send prosperity now in the name and by the blood of Jesus I receive it and if you receive it this morning and if you receive it at home give the Lord a great big hand clap and seal it with praise seal it with praise come on one more time give the Lord a big hand clap seal it with praise